you're being moved towards that, right? Oh, that's a nice plant I'd like to put in my garden. You're moved towards that. So you have all of this going on, right? Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you're, what we're saying here is an attitude of prayer in which we constantly abide and out of which exterior occupations cannot draw us. So what ends up happening, and listen, it happens to everybody. This is, again, if we take something as condemnation, it becomes condemnation. condemnation. You know, if, if our filter is condemnation, we can condemn ourselves, right? Because we're trying to find out what is right, what is wrong, what is right, what is wrong, what is right, what is wrong, you know? Right and wrong, good and evil, good and evil, good and evil, good and evil, good and evil. So if you hear a teaching that comes from a pastor, teacher, right? Good and evil, good and evil, good and evil, good and evil. Throw that out. <laughs> that tree you're not supposed to be eating from. You're a son of God. You live in the presence of God, okay? So now let's go back. So what we need then is an attitude of prayer in which we constantly abide and out of which exterior occupations cannot draw us, okay? So what is it that God's doing in us, right? He's, he's hanging out. He's having his home there. He's, there's, there see, your, your house, which is you, you're the house, okay? Your house is expansive, Cannot be under, it cannot be understated that when God said, I'm going to make my home in man, in the, and here's the other thing, guys, in the physical body. Think about it. God, who created the heavens and the earth, God, who is beyond time and space and exists in eternity, that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he has made his house, his dwelling place, in our heart, in the what's called the, the spirit, the sancta sanctorum or the holy of holies, the middle spot. Because you know you have different areas, right, in the spirit, different bodies. You know this, right? So, so he's decided to make his home in our heart. So the question then is, what am I? Because <laughs> how can I be that big? I don't feel like I'm that big. I literally can physically fit in this chair, which I can actually measure with a tape measure, and it's not even the full measurement of the tape measure, and I can fit in that spot. So what is it about me? What part of me is God living in? That means that you have more than one part. You have a spirit. You are a spirit. You are a body. You are a soul. You're all three of those things at the same time at the same time. So you can't downplay the body and you can't downplay the soul. The only thing with the soul is this. The soul is overactive. <laughs> it's kind of like a hyperactive kid. So it's like, listen, little Billy, he's got a lot of energy, all right? But if you direct him in the right place, he's going to be all right, <laughs> okay? So your soul is like that. It's hyperactive. It's like, thought this, thought that, thought this, thought that. Go here, go there, do this, do that. Go, 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 right? And if you're calm and you're quiet, which is what we learn with quiet prayer, is we tell our soul to go, shh. And then our soul's like, why do you tell me shh? <laughs> and you're like, and then what I always do, now some people take a more aggressive approach, but I've learned that it's more of a shepherding, okay? Yes, if you allow yourself to be led by your soul, you will for sure get in trouble. For sure. Guaranteed you will get in trouble if you're led by your soul. And why is that? Because the soul is, um, it can't discern. It doesn't understand the things of the spirit. And the Bible actually says it can't. So it's not like one day your soul's going to wake up and go, I understand the things of the spirit. It doesn't understand the things of the spirit. It can't. That's not what the soul is made for. It's not. But you know what the soul is made for? This. It's made for this. Because in every experience that you have in God, you'll recollect. Even if you're, even people, and I know people talk about this because of Alzheimer's, but even people with Alzheimer's still have their soul. It's just the physical part of their brain. Their soul isn't communicating inside of that brain yet, but it's still there. It's still there. That's why you have moments of reflection where they're like, they become coherent. Because their soul's still there, but the, the physical part of their brain isn't firing right, right? But they're still there. Because I told somebody one time, like, what is when you go into heaven, okay, and you see people in heaven, because we've 
you know, we've done this. We've been in heaven and we've seen people and they recognize us. Well, you're not there in your body. You're there in your spirit. How do you look like you look? Because of your soul. Because your soul has the memory of what it is. It's, in other words, the information is encoded in the soul. So every time we have these experiences, can you imagine having an experience and not feeling the experience? Hearing the experience? Seeing? Even if you were like Helen Keller, she had some faculties and she was able to communicate because the soul is able to communicate with this realm so that it has a record. Records are really important. There's a record. Why do we talk about the Lamb's Book of Life? It's a record. It's not the only record, guys. There's a lot of records. And you're a record. And your soul keeps a record. Is it because it's like, you're good, you're bad, you're good. Again, stop eating from that tree. <laughs> stop, stop. Hands off, right? There's a record of your life that is God's heart desire for your life that's here on the earth. So your soul does have a purpose. It keeps that record, but it does not guide the ship. If you try to guide the ship with the soul, you will certainly get shipwrecked. And why is that? Because the soul, what really drives the soul is high levels of emotion and intellectualism. High levels. And where do those go into? Greed, jealousy, fear, all of those. That's what the soul latches onto without the spirit. It goes into this lower realm. And the lower realm doesn't rule anything. It just destroys stuff because it's a right thing twisted. It's a right thing that's been twisted, twisted, twisted. So you have the heart affection towards God, right? And now you have greed, lust, all of this kind of stuff on the outside. And what does it end up doing? It, it just ends up tearing you to pieces. Because the soul without the spirit doesn't make good decisions. It makes bad decisions. So what do we do with our soul? We put our soul into rest. We tell our soul, be quiet. Now, some things you can do is focus on the Lord. Focus on God. Focus on him all around you. Focus on him within you. Focus on him all in everything that you're doing. So whatever it is you're doing, you become aware of God. And that's what she's saying here. She's saying what we need is an attitude in prayer in which we constantly abide and out of which exterior occupations cannot draw us. You're driving down the road. Beep, beep, get out of my way. Blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, blah, blah. what are we doing? We're souling it out. We're like soul people, you know, yelling, screaming, doing nothing, <laughs> doing literally nothing, right? So once we abide within him, the exterior can't, doesn't draw us anymore. Like, when you taste of the kingdom to come, when you taste it, right? We call it to come, even though Jesus said the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is here. It's at hand. It's, and then he said, it's here. It's within you. When you taste of that kingdom, the other kingdoms don't look very desirable at all. They just become very like, eh, <laughs> take it or leave it, you know? And that's what ends up happening over time as you're becoming more aware of him within us, okay? So we constantly abide. Exterior occupations don't draw us out. We're doing things in the physical world, but we're not drawn. Our affections are still within on him, on the Lord. So, and it can be offered alike by princes, kings, prelates, magistrates, soldiers, children, artisans, laborers, women, and the sick. This prayer is not mental, but of the heart. It is not a prayer of thought alone, because the mind of man is so limited that while it is occupied with one thing, it cannot be thinking of another. But it is the prayer of the heart which cannot be interrupted by the occupations of the mind. Nothing can interrupt the prayer of the heart but unruly affections. You see how affection has a lot to do with it? You see? I mean, this is true. This is, Again, I'm reading from the book of Madam Guyon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So nothing can interrupt the prayer of the heart but unruly affections. And when once we have tasted of the love of God, 
it is impossible to find our delight in anything but himself. So what do we see here? We're seeing that it's not the attitude of the mind or the actions. Again, you know, and this is why, you know, I do Sunday morning, it's fine. But, you know, the system is the system. There's no way around it. If you want to live an exterior life, you can. If you want to live a life that's just about what I did, whether it was good or bad, you can. But it's, it's no good. It's not the real thing. The real thing is the affection of the heart. What if you did something wrong? Well, just stop. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Just stop doing that. It's, that's what the Bible says. If you're doing something bad, stop. You know, be like, whoa, okay. <laughs> we want to make it something much greater than it is. You're a son of God. You're holy. You're righteous. You've been accepted in the beloved of God. If you're doing something that's not being moved towards him, what are you doing? Nothing is easier than to have God and to live upon him. He is more truly in us than we are in ourselves. He is more anxious to give himself to us than we are to possess him. Think about those. These are, these are good meditative words here. He is more truly in us than we are in ourselves. He is more anxious to give himself to us than we are to possess him. Come on, you got to get hungry for God. Well, he is more anxious to give himself to us. How much hunger do you need? <laughs> How much hunger does it take? Got to get the hunger levels up. So much shallow preaching and shallow this and that. Got to get the... Come on. That's not how it works. Put your affections on him. Colossians 3.1. Set your affections on things above. Right? What is it that prayer is? Is but the, a movement of the heart in affection towards the love of God. Now you can say, Jamin, can you define this? What does this mean? What does this look like? And what Jesus says is this. Taste and see. Taste and see. Okay? People say, I want to know what it looks like, Jamin. What does the love of God look like? What does Jesus look like? What does this look like? And this is what Jesus said. Taste and see. Everything that God does with us, he does personally. Everything is one-on-one personal and then we come together as a group and then he does things as a group but everything starts within within in the sancta sanctorum so look all that we want is to know the way to seek him which is so easy and so natural so easy and so natural that breathing itself is not more so so easy how do we seek god it's so easy and so natural you know, this is the biggest thing you have to do. You have to undo all the religious brainwashing. There's so much of it. But Jesus can, with one breath, blow it all away. Because that's the thing that usually people just get wound up in their head. What about that? What about this? And what about that? Oh, you who imagine yourselves incapable of religious feeling. See, this is, have you ever noticed that? You talk to people about how much you love God. Be like, that's a religious feeling. Interesting. I've heard about people who have those religious experiences, you know, and they kind of see themselves so separated from God. But really, he's right there. He's never been far away from them. But look at this. Oh, you who imagine yourself. Again, look at that. You're imagining yourself. You really are fully capable, but you're imagining that you're not. It's purely fantasy. You may live in prayer, and in God as easily and as continuously as you live by the air you breathe. You see? Will you not then be inexcusable if you neglect to do it after you have learned that way? So again, prayer, let me see if I can find this one. This is the very first sentence. Prayer is nothing else but the application of the heart to God and the interior exercise of love. 
prayer is nothing else. Okay, now we're, we're talking about a short method of prayer, what we call quiet prayer. But I will tell you this, the prayer of faith, the prayer of petition, the prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of this, the prayer of that, the, all the other prayers, which are legitimate prayers within the scripture, they all start here. The prayer of faith will save the sick, raise them up, all right? We know that, but where does it start? It starts right here, the application of the heart to God. The application. If you watch A.A. Allen, you guys familiar with him? F.F. Bosworth, Oral Roberts, you know. You watch them on video. You watch Catherine Kuhlman. Mighty, mighty, powerfully moved, powerfully used by God. William Branham, he they had so many people healed when William Branham was in South Africa that before he left, they had like a half a dozen garbage trucks full of crutches that they threw out at the dump because that many people were healed. The people in the hospital were asking him, asking their doctors to get them out of the hospital immediately and bring them down to William Branham's meeting because they knew that if they would get to the meeting, they would be healed and wouldn't even need to go to the hospital. That's how many people were getting healed in William Branham's meetings. They didn't have enough people. They did not have a facility in South Africa to put people in. So they met at the airport. Everybody was at the airport because it was the biggest piece of land that they could sit everybody on. There was that many people getting healed. <laughs> it's incredible. So they were asking. So there's people coming. They're literally just bringing people in from the hospital into the meeting just so they can be healed because now they don't even have to do anything. Then God is just healing them. All sorts of things. But where does it start? It starts with an application of the heart. We have been so deceived by our industrialized Christianity where we take things that are precious to God and we monetize them for profit. It's demonic. And Jesus will have no part of it. I will tell you that right now. He is done with that. And he's going to utterly destroy that system. And I, it's going to be beautiful and it's completely gone. But he's already done an amazing job of dismantling it in many places. And it is going to be amazing what we see. So the Prayer is the application of the heart to God and the interior exercise of love, right? So that's what prayer is. So when we're saying, let's pray, like I remember when, I, when we first did this, <laughs> we were first doing quiet prayer, and they're like, okay, it was Thanksgiving. All right, Jamin, you pray. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, oh, oh you, want me to pray? you want me to pray out loud? Because I was doing that. You know how we were learning this at the beginning. Let's pray. And then you go in. Right, and you see Jesus, and you can sense his love, and you become aware of him all around you, right? And so now we start to move in that environment and in that love, right? We're not moving out of the soul anymore. The soul is so confused anyway. The soul doesn't know anything. Like, have you ever just really tried to figure everything out one day? I'm going to figure this thing out. Listen, God gives us grace, okay? He, do he totally does, and he understands we're trying to figure out everything. He knows that. But he's given us a supply of the Spirit. He's given us himself. He can make something. Remember what we were saying. Jesus is like, hey, they come up to Jesus. This is the way it is. You got, you got these 12 guys, right? They're hanging out with Jesus every single day. They live with him. That's what a rabbi is. You want to know about teaching from the Jewish thing? They live with the rabbi. And, and they walk in the, in the shadow of the rabbi. That's how the teaching went then, okay? So they're hanging out with their rabbi, Jesus, who is the son of God, okay? And so they see him do stuff. And so, like, what's God's way? Jesus, I got a problem. What is it? Well, apparently we've been here all day, and there's 5,000 people here, and they love your teaching, Jesus. They really love it. But they're really hungry, and if we don't feed them, we're going to be in trouble. What are we going to do? And he's like, well, what do you have? And he's like, well, this little boy here, his mom packed him a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with this bag of chips. <laughs> oh, that'll be plenty. <laughs> That's how he does things. It's not like, can the soul wrap around that concept? 
No. Will it ever be able to wrap around that concept? No, it will never get there. There will not be a time where the soul's like, I agree. This soul will always be like, that's crazy. <laughs> or when Jesus, when he turned the water into wine and they come to Jesus, he's like, fill the pots up with water. And then what did his mom say? What did Mary say? Whatever he says to do, do it. What did she say when the angel came to her? Be it unto me according to your word. Did she have to understand anything? No. <laughs> She didn't. And what was happening here was we were becoming aware of the love of God within us and now moving in the spirit with Jesus because things that we think work a certain way don't work that way in the kingdom realm. Remember what Jesus said, the first will be last and the last will be first. It's an upside down kingdom. When you go low, you get exalted, right? When you go humble, you get lifted up. So there's a lot of this going on right now. So what does he say? Prayer is nothing else but the application of the heart to God and the interior exercise of love. Our Lord says, take ye heed, watch and pray. And what I say unto you, I say unto all. All then are capable of prayer and it is the duty of all to engage in it. So what are we doing here? We're taking the soul, we're bringing it down, right? We're just saying, soul, thank you. You're doing a good job, right? I'd like to get control of this. That person's not doing things right. And this person, how am I going to go do that? Shh, quiet, right? And then when you bring your soul into that spot, and then you just focus on the one, you focus on him, okay? So this is like a meditation. You say, Christians can't meditate. Christians have been meditating since the very beginning. There are plenty of meditation scriptures in the, in the Old Testament, I think it was, um, it was uh, uh, Isaac went out into the field to meditate. You know, you can see this. Joshua was told to meditate, right? You have this med meditation is a part of Christian life. It always has been. Uh, for whatever reason, for 50 years they stopped, or 100 years or so, they stopped teaching it. They went to a different way. And so then here comes this group. Hey, everyone, we're going to take all the religions and mix them together and make another religion and make it look scientific, and we'll call it New Age, you know? And so they took everybody's stuff and mixed it all up. So now when you say meditation, people are like, New Age. New Age was a thing they invented in the 60s, you guys. People have been meditating way longer than when the New Age came up with it. And it has nothing to do with Buddhism. It has to do with meditating on the Lord. That's the way they always did it. But see, if you learn this type of prayer, it's very powerful. Because now instead of becoming aware, politics you know, becoming aware of, you know, there's a recession coming, there's this coming, and then everything that we're doing, we're being pulled out. Now we're looking at all of this stuff from the outside instead of from the inside, you know, in, our, in the, in the uh, room, in our heart. And so, my dear friends, whoever you may be, who desire to be saved, come unto God in prayer. I counsel thee to buy me of me of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Well, what is the gold tried in the fire? What is that gold? That's you. <laughs> You're the gold. You're the precious thing to God. It's the extra stuff that gets burned up in the fire. It's that extra stuff. But the purity is you. It is easily to be obtained, far more easily than you could ever imagine. And I remember that you know, I had a, I had that one dream, you know, where I went down to the bottom of the church, the very bottom, like it was a hundred and it was many, many floors deep into the ground. And when I was down there, they were mining and they were mining for things in the ground. And on top of the mining equipment was this giant piece of gold and it had dust on it. It had been sitting there for a long time. And I looked down in the mine and I could see that these machines were mining for things. And there was a man on the phone, and he's making deals, selling the things that he found. And what kind of things were they? They were like non-precious minerals, things that weren't as good. And I was sitting at a table with a bunch of people from the church system. And they have all been working so hard. And one of them was having a nervous breakdown because they had been working so hard for these minerals. But they weren't the precious minerals. And I said, well, what about that gold? I'm like, there's gold right there. Why don't you just use that gold? 
That gold was given to them. Why don't you use the gold? And you know what they said to me? They said, we use the gold for motivation. Mm-mm-mm. Not good. <laughs> That's the church system. That's the hierarchy. Where everything becomes a system. Everything becomes a thing to motivate, to drive, to collect, to build soulish systems. But it's not going to be like that forever. But it is. And Jesus showed me this way, way at the beginning. Why don't you build a church system, Jamie? Well, that's why. I'd rather have the gold. I'd rather have the things that are precious. So it is easy to be obtained. I mean, literally, it's sitting on top of the mining equipment. <laughs> and it was a huge piece of gold, too. Huge. And I'm sure it was pure gold. Because that's the way God rolls. <laughs> so... Come all ye that are athirst and take this water of life freely. Do not amuse yourselves by hewing out to yourselves broken cisterns that can hold no water. That's the non-precious stuff. That's the stuff that the soul gets all preoccupied with. Amuse yourself. Okay, this is in Jeremiah. Come hungry souls who find nothing that can satisfy you and you shall be filled. Come poor afflicted ones, weighed down with griefs and sorrows and you shall be comforted. Come sick ones to the great physician and do not fear to approach him because you are so weak and diseased. Expose all your diseases to him and they shall be healed. You see? You see what's happening here? Once we rest and cease from strife, you know, the Bible says the man of God does not strive. We don't strive. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that, um, when they're approached a different way, they're different. Does that make sense? So there's things in our life that if we would approach a different way, they will actually be different. They will be a different thing altogether. I don't know how else to explain it. Um, sometimes when we have a thing in our life that's bothering us, okay, have you ever had a thing in your life that bothered you? <laughs> yes? You're like, this really bothers me. If we would reposition ourselves, relocate ourselves in Christ, in the love of God, and take off the knowledge of good and evil glasses and put on the love of God, the whole thing looks different. In essence... To us, it is different. It's a different thing now altogether, and we are the ones that changed it by the way we're approaching it. If you've ever seen a teacher in a class, how the teacher treats the student has a lot to do with how the student behaves. It's true. When you have a teacher that is excited and for the student, the student can tell. If you have a teacher that's checking off a box that those kids are actually more of an obstacle, the children can tell. And they respond likewise. In other words, I'm your biggest problem now, teacher. You see what I'm saying? Because they're responding to the teacher the way the teacher is approaching them. And there are so many things like that in life that if we approach it in a certain way, it responds back to us that way. It turned into that thing. <laughs> but just to us. Its nature was always the same. So what God is doing is he's showing us who we really are so that we would approach the things in our life from the perspective of what Jesus sees in them. There wasn't a single person in that crowd that saw that woman as but an adulterer when they were surrounding her, ready to throw stones at her. Every single one saw her the same way, but one person saw her a different way, and that was Jesus, the Son of God. And when he saw her, he saw her as righteous, as a child of God, and he called her such. They were ready to kill her. But he said, you without sin throw the first stone. What was he saying? He's saying, the way I see it is much different than the way you're seeing it. So you see how we take things 
if we're living out of the Spirit and we're living out of the love of God and we're seeing everybody and everything from the love of God, we're actually changing the thing around us. It now is different than it was before just by the way we're approaching it. You see what I'm saying? If a thing is an obstacle to us, if a person is a problem to us, they become a problem to us. Does that make sense? In other words, how were, if I treat this cup like a footrest, it becomes a footrest. I will pour the water out on the ground and stick my foot on it. <laughs> but it's really a cup. But who's the one that can see the cup? Christ. Who's the one that sees us? Christ. So how we approach a thing determines what it is. So a lot of times people say, Jamin, I have so much negativity in my life. I don't understand. Is the devil trying to get at me because there's so much negativity? Well, what are you seeing? You've created an atmosphere of negativity because of the way you've approached it all. Everything is an obstacle. Everything is negative. And now it says, oh, I am? Okay, because you're powerful. <laughs> you are so powerful. And so what God is doing in us is he's shifting our perspective. So we start to see things the way he's seeing them. Because he's not seeing these things as obstacles. He sees himself. Remember how I talk about the scripture? Speak to the good in every man. Speak to the good in every man. In other words, when I see someone, what am I speaking to? The good. What about the bad? St. Julian of Norwich, she was saying how she asked God about sin. Well, what about sin? He's showing her all these amazing things about his love and all this. And he's like, what about sin? And, and, and he was like, well, sin just doesn't even exist. Oh, you can't say sin doesn't exist, Jamin, or so much sin out there. So much. And this is what she said. She said, there's God and there's not God. And when you become so aware of God, not God, in essence, disappears. And that's how you can see God in everything and in everyone and in every situation. Because what we're looking for in the church system is, do you go to church? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Okay, you're good. But God speaks to more than just that. That is good. But God speaks to more than just that. The good in every man. I know people. Listen, they went to church for a couple years. The pastor said something he shouldn't have said, super offended them. They never went back to church the rest of their life. But you know what? They spent so much time with God in nature. And I've seen them in the cloud of witnesses. They love God so much. Prayer is an interior exercise. It's an exercise of the heart, of affection towards God, affection towards him. You don't need the external. You have the internal. Now, there is music. There are sounds. There's, mute, there's songs that you can sing that bring your affections up, right? You can do that. Or you can just focus on your breath. Realize that you're breathing in and out, saying the name of God, right? You can focus on a scripture, you know, like the Lord's Prayer. Any scripture. You can focus on any of the scriptures we read today. You know, the gold. You can focus on the gold. You see yourself as gold. It's awesome. Focusing on what God says about you. Focusing on who he is as the good shepherd. I just see my soul just coming into subjection to my spirit. Just being led. Boop, boop. No longer trying to take over. You know? Soul, you're so silly. Shh, quiet. You know, sometimes you have to be like, eh, quiet. <laughs> right? And then what ends up happening is you become so aware of God. There's people sometimes that are very aware of the devil everywhere. The devil's here, the devil's there. Yeah, there's devils everywhere. They're, they, you know, Brother Hagen one time said, people don't realize they like permeate the atmosphere. Of course they're everywhere, right? But there's more angels than there are devils. Way more angels than devils. What are you looking at? What are you aware of? Are you aware of the presence of God? Because when we're aware of him around us, then it encamps around us. We're building this atmosphere of him Everywhere we go, everything we do, you know, I've given you that example, doing my books. And all I hear the Lord is like, there's a lot of glory on these books. I was like, what do you mean there's a lot of glory on these books? This is like the most, you know, uh, what's the word? Uh, 
tedious job you could do. And he's like, there's a lot of glory. I'm like, there's glory here too? I'm like, there's glory everywhere, even in these books? Like, this is like, for me, I'd be like, I'm outside, I'm working. I'm like, yeah, there's glory. Yeah, Lord, I'm in creation. But he was like, books. And I'm like, your, your actual, your financial books, like the stuff that he made to do? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> but he was opening me up to see that he's everywhere. He's in everything that we're doing. He permeates the very, su- the very air that we breathe. He causes our heart to beat. So now what I'm doing is I'm seeing him in everyone. I'm seeing him in everything. I've stopped eating from that tree of good and evil. I'm not trying to judge whether a person is good or evil. I'm speaking to the good in every man, in every man. Because when that good is nurtured in every man, it grows into a huge harvest huge and this is what jesus is doing in our hearts right now he's cultivating the good and it's growing listen i can give kim three seeds and she can fill that whole yard with whatever that was right because it doesn't take a lot to start with if you have somebody who cares if you have someone who cares who has an affection towards that thing it grows but people close themselves off and they resist the love of God, and that's when things get low. They, get, they dwindle. When love is not fed into that thing, it gets small and small and small, and then you're like, it's not there. And Jesus is like, it is there. It's in the ground. And you're like, why don't you water it? Why don't you nurture it? Let me cause the increase. These people are like, i got to get to grow. you got to grow, Jamin. You have to grow. you got to get. Well, how do you grow? I'm <laughs> growing. <laughs> not a good look (laughs) right that's not how you grow growing comes through sunlight and water and where does the water come from and it comes on the just and the unjust and where's the light come heaven that's why the sun's up and the water's up people he wants us to know where it comes from the sun and the water they comes from up it's watering on your heart and guess what you got a gardener and he's working and he's like remember take a look look what i did and you're like this is amazing how did you even do this? I saw blueberries like a few weeks ago in my garden. I don't even know what a blueberry is in the spirit, but it's amazing. And you did such an amazing job. And I love Jesus so much, right? So you just say, well, what happened to him? Well, he's gone. What happened to Jamin? He's gone. He went away into the spirit. And now that's where he is. And that's where we all are. It was never about the, how good you could be at this. It was always about Jesus. He's the author, the finisher. He began, he ends. I'm Alpha, Omega, beginning and end. That is who Christ is in us. That's who we are in him. We're one spirit with the Lord. Stop, don't gauge yourself anymore about what you did right and what you did wrong. Start to see yourself completely holy from beginning to end in Christ. Even before you said, I didn't even know who Christ was, you were in Christ. You were in Christ from the very beginning of creation. You've never not been in Christ. See yourself in him. See yourself. Become aware. This is what this prayer, this inner prayer is. This is what quiet prayer is, but it really is just prayer in general. (laughs) It's affection of the heart towards God. Becoming aware of him all the time. You're just sitting there. You're doing your work, and you're just like, I'm aware of Jesus right now. You know, I'm aware of him in me. And then Jesus is like, have a drink of the Spirit. I'm like, I'm going to have a drink, Jesus. (laughs) Not on the roof, though. <laughs> you can have a drink of Jesus, right? Have a drink of the Spirit. Drink in fully. Don't hew out cisterns of works that can't hold water. That's what this stuff is, you know? But Jesus is bringing us into this place of awareness, a place of awareness. Like, well, when's Jesus going to do something? He's already done it. When are you going to remember? He's reminding us who we are, where we are, There's many things that he does. And listen, there are many more messages he has for us too. And as we're learning each one, we get the next one. Not because, now remember, when you're like, whenever you hear someone say, it isn't the right time to tell you that yet, okay? That doesn't mean you didn't earn it. It just means you aren't going to understand it fully yet. And God wants you to be able to taste it fully to that level. So there are some messages that God's reserving that he will tell you about in the future, okay? 
but he didn't tell you yet, not because he withholds. So remember when I say God is open, he's totally open and he doesn't withhold. But some information that we've asked about, he's going to tell us, but it's going to come in the future, okay? Because I know there's some questions. We have questions. What about this? And what about that? And why did this happen? And why did that happen? That's the soul. Okay, I know how it works, right? But he will answer those questions too. He will. Everything you'll know. You will know, you will know fully everything. Just like Enoch did. He'll be like, I understand all men. And I'm like, what? Do you, how do we even have the capacity for that? But we apparently we do because Enoch did it, right? So we can understand, the, in other words, every single person's life, you would understand come fully. Like you would know everything about everyone in all of creation that has ever been born or will ever be born. That's a lot of information. <laughs> but it's not physical, that's spiritual. And you can get to that spot, okay? So, you know, just a reminder of being in him, being aware of him. You know, God isn't looking for problems with you. He sees you as the pearl of great price. He sees you as, as the treasure that was hidden in the field. He sees you as the, you know, the lost sheep. Well, I'm a lost sheep. Well, guess what? Jesus is going to go get you. Why were you lost? Because you didn't know who you were. But now you know. You know. So all of these things, it's the heart of God. Does that make sense, you guys? Let those only refuse who have no heart. The invitation is not for them, for we must have a heart in order to love. But who is indeed without heart? Oh, come and give that heart to God and learn in the place of prayer how to do it. All those who long for prayer are capable of it, who have ordinary grace in the gifts of the Holy Spirit which is freely promised to all who ask it, okay? So there's a lot of things that God is doing in us, okay, that is a, um, a process of learning, a process of remembering, okay? Is it important that we remember? Yeah, we have a helper who reminds us, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of promise reminds us of the things that Jesus has taught us. Jesus said about that, about the Spirit, right? I will send the Holy Spirit. He will remind you. Remind you of what? Remind you of everything that I've said. He's going to remind us. Yes, he's going to remind us. <laughs> he's going to remind us. Um, all right, let me see what else I was going to say here. So prayer is nothing else but the application of the heart to God and the interior exercise of love. So remember what we were doing, right? How do we do it? We're, we did a little bit of it today. I'm in him and he's in me, right? So what is that? That's reminding yourself. It's an interior exercise of love, okay? So how big is God's love? It's, it's, it's infinite. <laughs> it can't even be measured. It cannot be measured, God's love. So if we're going to be thinking about God, one of the best gates is the gate of love. The gate of first love. Not just any love, but the love that God has towards us. So there's this frequency. Think of it like radio, right? Because we have radio and television frequencies, right? We have 5G antennas now everywhere that give us a, a cell signal. So we have a signal, right? That gets to our phone. We have Wi-Fi in your house if you have no cell signal, right? You have this signal that's coming, woo -woo -woo, right? And, and if you have a strong signal, right, then you have good service and you have like up to a gigabit now in some areas in 5g which is amazing um so you have this massive amount of data so now you can watch as many videos as you want with no interference whatsoever right so you have all of this is now just kind of come in second nature who remembers back in the internet when they had those little tiny little videos that you could watch on your dial-up modem and it would take like you know 30 minutes just to download them and you can watch it and lasted like 30 seconds who remembers that me i remember it so now people are watching movies, they're watching everything, and they have a lot of bandwidth, right? There's a ton of bandwidth, there's a ton of signal. So we have this other signal, which is much greater than any 5G antenna. We didn't need a Starlink from Elon Musk in the, in the sky at all. Not necessary at all. It actually bypasses, there's other signals like grids, like black gooey grids that try to stop things. But we have a signal that's much greater, and it's within. And it's the gate. It's the door. And that signal is stronger than any other signal. So when we turn our antenna within, where Christ is seated, 
where he is in the Holy of Holies. That's where he's always been. It's not, an, it's not a pseudo-spiritual thing. It's the reality of the risen Christ within us. And he is the strongest signal that there is. So what we're doing when we do our quiet prayers, we're just becoming aware of that. And all the rest of the stuff, what happens to it? Again, like I was saying about God and not God, the more aware you are of him, the less aware you are of things that are not him. Because in essence, in essence, things that are not God truly don't exist. They were never started in the heart of God. They have nothing to do with God, and they go away. And what kind of things am I talking about? Greed, anger, all these lower realm things. You know, people are stealing. People are stealing money, Jamie. Don't you understand? People are stealing money. We need to do something. You know, like that one guy I was playing last Last week, he was all shouting and yelling. They're just so angry at everybody. <laughs> it's so silly, right? So people get angry. If I get angry enough, I can change this. No, if you get angry enough, you can make it worse. Anger doesn't solve things. The Bible says that the anger of man does, it, the anger of man is not the righteousness of God. And it causes more issues than it fixes. So you don't get angry and fix anything. Look at the Incredible Hulk. He gets angry and he says, Hulk, smash. If you if were trying to figure out your piano and it wasn't working, you did a Hulk smash on it. Do you now know how to use your piano? You do not. And you don't have a piano. So Hulk smash technique does not work. And again, where does that come from? It comes from the soul trying to get control of a situation through a lower realm method. It's what it's, that's all it's doing. I'm angry, I'm smashing. Well, now it's broken, and you still have the problem that you had before you broke it. <laughs> and actually, if it was something you were trying to fix, now you have a worse problem. <laughs> so so what, what does Jesus say with all that? He just says, just stop doing that. <laughs> Listen, I know. One time I got so mad at my car, I wrapped the steering wheel around the steering column. And then that scared me because I didn't realize I was that strong. And then I was so scared, I pulled it back. And I was like, I literally wrapped it around the steering column. But because I was angry, I had practiced anger to the point where I had defined it, where I could literally exert a tremendous amount of force on something. It didn't fix anything. And I actually realized I had a problem. <laughs> now, God's helped me a lot since then. I mean, this was decades ago. But you do have these things that come up because you're trying to get control. So what you do is this. You come in the spirit. Because some people just do this, just walk all over me, I don't care. That's not it either. That's not it either, guys. You, you're, you, you say, well, if you're meek, Jamin, then people are going to do what they want. You're not understanding. What we're doing is we're going in the spirit and we're allowing Jesus to lead us because there's other ways to do it. Now, sometimes you have to address things. But you don't have to address it in the spirit of anger. You can address it in the spirit of love. You see what I'm saying? You do have to address things. It doesn't mean you just need to sweep everything under the carpet and forget everything. You sweep things under the carpet, and what happens to the carpet? It gets built up with a lot of gunk, and then somebody lifts the carpet off, and they're like, dear Lord, what is this? And you're like, this is me sweeping things under the carpet. Well, you need to address some stuff. But don't address it in fear. Don't address it in anger. Address it in the spirit of the love of God. Because when you address things and you bring them out into the open, what do you want to do? You want to shine light on things. If you keep things in the dark, they're just, they're not going to work good and they could get worse and you don't know what's in there. It's gross, you know? Clean your room. Shove everything under the bed. What's happening under the bed? I have no idea and I don't want to look. That's what people do with their lives. They shove everything under the bed. And they're thinking maybe it'll go away now. Is it gone away? It's not gone away. <laughs> it's still there. It's under the bed. But here's, the, here's why people do that. Because they've tried different things and it's not working. And so they've said, you know what? I'm just going to ignore it. Don't ignore it, okay? But instead of treat, remember what I was saying before, how you're approaching a thing is how it's responding to you. So if you say, we're going to make this work. We're going to have this happen. We're going to do this. You're actually inviting God to work in that situation in that way. Angels like to do stuff, okay? Angels, your angel is like, hey, let's do some stuff, right? But if we're not presenting an, a place for them to work in, they can't do anything. If everything that we're doing is just 
negativity upon negativity, they've got nothing to work with because you haven't actually drawn anything to you that they can work with. Does that make sense? So the more that we sweep things under the carpet, the more that we push things under the bed, we're not allowing God to work on those areas. We're saying, God, I don't want you to work on it. I'm pushing it under the bed. Because last time I tried to work on it with you, it didn't work out. So now I've decided not to do it. Go back. <laughs> Go back to him and remember. And here's one thing I can tell you that will help you. Remember the times that God did help you. And build off of those. Maybe this is a new thing that you've never had before. Well, take the last thing that God worked with you on, where you did see a victory over it, and bring that one into your mind and remember. That's called remembering God's faithfulness. That's what that's called. So sometimes there's things in our life that are brand new that we've never had before that we may want to sweep under the rug or push under the bed. And God's saying, remember what I did when you, isn't this what David did? David's fighting Goliath. How many giants had David fought? Zero. But what did David remember? The lion and the bear. The lion and the bear. He recollected. He remembered God's faithfulness in that. And it could be even small. Remember when I gave you the dime? And I was like, yes, there was a little dime. I found that dime. I gave you that dime. I can give you the 10 million, the 20 million, the 100 million dollars. It's the same dime. It's the same source. It's the exact same source. <laughs> but see, we are the ones that put the limits from our soul because we can't see that it's not the same thing, but it is the same thing. Oh, I remember when I had a, uh, you know, I stubbed my toe and the pain went away after I prayed for it. I remember when I had an earache and I prayed and the earache went away and it never came back ever again. And actually that earache never came back the rest of my life. It's gone forever. Never come back ever again. Now from that earache, I can believe for this. From that, that thing that God did in my life, I can believe for this. I can believe for that. It is the same thing. It is the same thing. Don't let your soul take charge of that situation. When you look at it, say it's the exact same thing. But this is 100,000 now, God. Last time it was 10,000. It'd be like, it's the same thing. <laughs> and you know what else? He loves, he loves it when we do this with him. Because what happens is, is you realize it's been him all the time. You're like, oh yeah, I figured it out. You didn't figure anything out. It was God. It was always God. And, and then it is cool to look at things and to, and, and to think about them and to be interested in them and everything. It's fine. That's a way of enjoying it. Again, that's what the soul does. You, you, that, that's, what, that's a soul thing to do. You remember it. But don't be led by that. It was God who brought it in the last time. It was God who took care of your needs the last time. It was God who healed your body the last time. It was always him. And it doesn't matter what size in our mind we thought it was. Because remember, when they went to those meetings, like I was telling you about William Branham, you had everything in those meetings. There were people that couldn't walk and have never walked that were walking. And there was people that had diseases that they just got three months ago that were healed. It doesn't matter. God can do it all. But what are we focusing on? How are we approaching it? You know? So this is the part of that interaction, the application of the heart to God. When you begin to meditate and think about how much God loves you and realize that his is a tidal wave, it is an avalanche, it is a tsunami of love. It isn't a, just a little bit. It's an overwhelming amount of love. It saturates every part of your life. There's nowhere it doesn't reach. It reaches everything. Because if you're in him and he's in you, what's left? Nothing. You are completely submerged in God. And every part of your being is in him. So now all of those things your soul is trying to wrestle with, just put it in the, in the heart of God. And now begin to watch it turn into what it becomes because God is nurturing the things that are good and he's leaving the things that are not good as if they don't exist. Remember, what did he say to the, to the lady who was caught in the act of adultery? I don't condemn you, he said. He could condemn her if he wanted. He said, I do not condemn you. And, you know, that particular situation was actually a little more graphic when I read the original of what they actually caught her in. But but really, he said, because you know what we do a lot of on Facebook, Instagram, as Christian people, is we condemn people. We do a lot of condemnation. 
then Jesus doesn't condemn them. He just doesn't. I mean, this is the truth. And we go around and we're going to condemn people. Well, they were involved in this and they were involved in that and they did this and they did that. Why would we open our mouth and say this stuff? We shouldn't. We shouldn't. Because what are we speaking to? You speak to the good in every man. Listen, the things that are not God don't nurture. The things that are God nurture. And that means in other people too. If you go on and on and talk about people's problems and talk about the things that they did wrong, what are you actually nurturing? You're nurturing the not God, the thing that's not even real. Why would you want to bring that up to another person? Don't bring up people's past stuff. Don't do it. God isn't doing it. He doesn't. Th remember what it says. He throws it into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't even remember it. Bringing up stuff that God's like, I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> something with something. I don't know. He doesn't know what that is because he's, he sees you for who you are. He's speaking to you for who you are. Once you hear him speak your name and you know that he's looking at you, he's looking at you, he's literally looking at you, and everything in his eyes says, I love you, I I'm so happy to see you. I have so much joy that you are here with me. And I'm like, ah, ah, <laughs> I don't know what to say. I can't even move because he's so full of love. And his love is, is like a mighty wave, a tidal wave that overcomes everything in you. Everything that's not God just starts to go, it's like almost like a blast. And just staying in that place where you're here and he's there and you're face to face with Jesus. And Jesus is looking at you and you're looking at him and he's saying how much he approves of you and how much he loves you and how much he is so happy to see you. That's, all, that's it for me. That's it for me. He's right there. So everything that wasn't him, who cares about that? Jesus don't care about that. No, I got so much problems, though. You don't understand. I got this. I got that. And Jesus is like, look, I know who you are. You're not that stuff. Just look at me. Look at me. Let my love saturate you. Let my acceptance of who you really are fill you. And everything that you thought you were disappears because I am your true identity, Jesus says. I am who you really are. The more that we behold him, the more that we're changed. Why is that? Because every other idea that we ever had about ourselves was wrong until we saw Jesus. So his love and his glory, just allow it. So let's do that now. So let's just allow Jesus, close your eyes, allow Jesus, just see him standing before you. See yourself lifted up high, high in the sky, and there you are. And there's Jesus standing over there, and he's just floating right there in front of you, and there's Jesus right there. He's got white on. He's got a red sash. And there he is standing in the sky. And he's looking at you. And you can sense and you can feel the presence of God overwhelming you, overtaking you. Just wave after wave after wave of God's glory. You're standing in the presence of God. He's all around you. Just allow him just loving you for who you are, who he made you to be. He's been coming after you your whole life. And he's not going to quit because he loves you so much. He's not going to quit. He's not going to give up. You're standing in his presence. There's light all around see clouds, but the one thing that you're fixed on is that there's Jesus floating in the air with you. Just wave after wave after wave of God's love overcoming, overtaking you. Just become aware of his love. He's not holding anything back. He's completely open. Rest in that love. Rest in that love. Be confident in that love. Be sure of that love.
It is a real love. It is an eternal love. It is a love stronger than death. And it is in you. It is around you. And it is him. Jesus' name, amen.